so the main question here is yes aaron hernandez murdered odin but why that is the main question there what was the motive why would you murder one of your closest friends You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Med Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another different episode of Alice Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. So today we are trying, we're doing a trial run of a Zoom recording at home. So we're into week two of quarantine and we are using the resources that we have to record this. I looked all over my house for some headphones and a mic, did not have anything. So I was a little unprepared. So, and again, I apologize if this doesn't have our, you know, typical studio sound quality. Um, but I think, you know, we're just going to roll with it and kind of see what happens and hopefully we still get a good episode out of this. So, um, Nina, I just kind of want to check in on you. How are you doing in week two? Um, I'm doing okay. It's, it's a lot different working from home. A lot, obviously a lot of people that work at Atlas actually do already work from home. Um, but it is definitely a big change for me. A lot of things here at home to distract me, so... Exactly. It's a really a, a whole mindset, but um, it also is helping me stay pretty focused on everybody that's out there, all of the, like how our travelers are being affected by COVID-19 and how their hospitals are handling everything. So um, it's just a good time to check in on your people, make sure everybody's doing okay. Yes. I've been trying to do that just with my family and friends. Like even if you don't especially our healthcare family and friends, but Mm -hmm. if you, anyone, you know, we're all being affected by this in different ways. Um, Just check in with people, you know, some people handle situations like this better than others. Um, And just knowing that you have, you know, people out there that you can lean on if you are feeling anxious or stressed is, is a good thing, you know, because we, we don't really know. We're taking it week by week with our podcast. We're taking it week by week at Atlas. We are just going to kind of, you know, figure it out as we go, just like you are. You know, how is it like in the hospital right now? You work as a um, a rad tech on the weekends, so how is that? Been? Yeah, um, it's just pretty crazy. Um, the lack of PPE is really stressful. Um, it's hard to know. What, obviously, when you're taking care of patients that you know could possibly have COVID nineteen or are positive for COVID nineteen. Um, you're gowning and gloving and masking for every room, but there's still a possibility that something could go wrong somewhere and you could still get it. So I think that a lot of healthcare providers have kind of resolved to the fact that they could potentially get it or they will get it at some point. But I think it's really important that we all just try to stay as safe as we can and still avoid getting it at all costs, like to um, just stay super safe and do what we feel comfortable doing. So it's pretty stressful, but you know, we're healthcare providers and we're here to help. And thank goodness for all of you. Um, and for our travelers as well. I know it's a scary time, even just traveling. I know it's, it's 
this is a new normal. We're going to work through it together. We will get through to the other side. And so I hope that this podcast just is a fun outlet for you if you listen to it, just to take your mind off of it. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. So today we are talking about the uh, docu-series on Netflix, not the newest one that everyone's talking about, but we will get into that one if you know what I'm talking about, uh, involves tigers. <laughs> but we are talking about uh, Killer Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez. So this docu-series, like I said, is available on Netflix. It is a true crime docu-series. It has been available on Netflix since January of this year, so a couple months in uh, it's only three episodes, and they're each about an hour long, an hour and a couple of minutes. Uh, so you could definitely get this done in a day um, or, you know, over the weekend if you don't want to, you know, absorb it all at once. But uh, it took me a couple of days to get through just because um, it's, a lot to, it's a lot to handle. There's a lot of information, especially uh, coming from me, who honestly, I knew nothing about Aaron Hernandez. I knew nothing. I mean, I knew he was a convicted murderer and that he had uh, committed suicide in prison, but that was all I knew. I didn't know any of the backstory. I didn't know any of his childhood or anything that happened to him. So I learned a lot. Um, and throughout the course of this documentary, you, it kind of, and we'll talk about this in the second half, it kind of leads you on a few different paths of, we, we don't really know why he took his own life. There's a multitude of reasons why he did, and we still don't really know, and we never will. And that is where this documentary unfortunately falls short, which it's not its fault, but there's so much that we will never know because the subject is deceased. Right. So uh, let's get into it. Again, I didn't really know anything about this. And he, the day that Aaron uh, took his own life was um, April 17th of, or sorry, April 19th of 2017, which was three days before my wedding. I don't remember hearing about this. And maybe I did. I have a lot of friends, my husband uh, especially, who love football. So I am surprised. Maybe somebody had mentioned it, but I don't remember anyone talking about it. Maybe it was because, you know, it was a wedding, didn't want to talk about something like that. Sure. But um, I mean, this is still pretty fresh. This just happened a few years ago. The murder itself that is the main focus of this documentary took place in 2013. So this is all within the past six, seven years. Um, so it's still very fresh. One of the cool things about this documentary is uh, they include a lot of phone conversations that um, Aaron had while he was in prison with his fiance, with his mom, with his friends. And those I read were just recently released to the public in 2018. So the whole process of this documentary being made is still also just very new. This, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of time to, I guess, you know, mull over doing it, like with some of these other docu-series about, you know, like Ted Bundy, where this happened like 30 years ago, you know, like we, we just have just from the past few years, speculation, the trial itself, and that's, you know, that's pretty much all we have. It's nice to hear all of these things too, while they are pretty fresh, because I feel like it helps us all to understand a little bit better of what he was going through and what his thoughts were. But I feel like it has to be so hard for his family and his fiance to know that that stuff is out there. Like on top of everything that he did, right. um, their like personal conversations are out there for the public to hear. And that's kind of crazy. So uh, Killer Inside, if you're unfamiliar with the story, it takes um, a look at the, the trial of Aaron Hernandez for the murder of Odin Lloyd, who was a semi-professional -prof football player 
who uh, was beloved in his local community and was a close friend of Hernandez right up until Hernandez took him for a drive one night and shot him multiple times on June 17th, 2013. It also talks about a double murder in 2012 that Aaron Hernandez was linked to, but was never actually uh, charged for. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, aside from the trials and the murders, it also takes a good look at um, just his life before he became, you know, a newly a New England Patriot and his home life. And again, the documentary kind of leads you to believe that because of certain things that happened to him as a child, as an adolescent, caused him to be this way. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail, but I'm just kind of going over the information that the documentary provides you with. So it starts off with him as a child. He uh, was in a family of four. His father was, uh, I'll just say a man's man. Uh, he was homophobic. He was physically abusive. He was a drunk. He allegedly was physically abusive, but uh, Aaron talks about how he had abused his mother, uh, was just not He's not a very good guy, um, which could have very well led to some of the problems he had later in life. He was kind of, kind of a football star in high school. He went uh, was in uh, Bristol, Connecticut, I believe, um, was kind of the star of his uh, high school football team, and he ended up. So this part I was a little confused by. He, did he go to UConn for a bit before he went to Florida? sounded like he had been planning on going to UConn because that's where his brother went. And I think that there was kind of a, um, an unspoken commitment there or like an unwritten commitment, but then he just like went on a whim to go and check out university of Florida. And then urban Meyer wanted him and convinced him to come down. Yes. So he, uh, became a Florida Gator at what? 17. Yeah, which I thought this was crazy, too, and I cannot even imagine how this would impact somebody, but um, Urban Meyer, like, went to Aaron Hernandez's high school and convinced the principal to allow him to graduate early, even though he was not, like, academically prepared for college. Um, he had to take a bunch of community classes while he was in his first year of college that kind of helped him make up for the fact that he had been, he had left high school early. Um, he was just, like, not academically prepared at all to start college early, but Urban Meyer wanted him to get a little bit of a head start as far as, like, learning their um, learning their plays and learning how their team worked and everything. So he left high school early and went down to Florida to start in the spring, um, start their spring training. We also learned in high school, um, so some of the interviews involved – a previous teammate and friend and his father who claim and all of this surrounding um Aaron's sexuality is all hearsay there's nothing that's actually proven in any way shape or form but this this man claims that he and he and Aaron they were really good friends they you know obviously played football together but then they also had a homosexual relationship and one of the things that he mentions is that um, Aaron's father would slap the F word out of you, meaning that he was very homophobic. Again, leading to you to believe that if Aaron was a closeted gay man, knowing how, how against it his father would have been, and I guess just football being just such a manly sport and has also proven to be a little homophobic in itself, unfortunately, 
that he was never able to be his true self. They interview another football player whose name I cannot remember, but how he kind of used football as his beard. And that term meaning a cover of your sexuality. He, you know, ate in excess. He just tried to be as unattractive as possible to cover up the fact that he was a gay man and used football to kind of also cover that up as well. And so his kind of testament, well, he was a patriot as well, wasn't he? This guy? Yep. So he, at the end of the documentary, talks about how he eventually came out to his family. His mother was supportive. Even the Patriots owner was supportive and said, I'm, I'm, you know, proud of you living your true self. So it, it, it's very sad that these men feel that they can't be themselves. They feel that they can't be true to themselves because they are in this, this manly sport that, you know, kind of looks, I wouldn't say looks down on femininity, but um, there's not a lot of gay men in, in football. And if there are, they're, they're, you know, in the closet still. So again, this documentary leads you to believe that that could possibly be part of it. But his fiance said uh, she, so his family didn't actually participate in this documentary at all. They respectfully declined, but based on a few uh, interviews with uh, the media from the past, um, when this was brought up about his sexuality, that was something that his fiance said like this, I don't believe this, this is not who he was. So again, that's all kind of up to speculation. You know, it's all hearsay. Mm -hmm. There's no real proof that truthfully, who knows? He could have been a gay man. He could have been a bisexual man, but there were a few phone calls that he had with his fiance where he talks about, you know, the transgender men in the prison and the more feminine men. And he speaks very, very little of them and that is kind of, unfortunately, a way that some people who are ashamed of their sexuality kind of take it out, you know, kind of self-hatred in a way. So it all kind of, without saying it, leads you to believe that, and it all kind of comes full circle at the end. But uh, so Aaron's in college and uh, playing football for, for Florida, and there was an incident when he was in college, right? That kind of got swept under the rug. Yeah. So um, I had looked up his list of, you know, like convictions or whatever, the things that he got in trouble for. Um, and in 2007, he was in a bar fight with a manager at the bar because he was being served alcohol underage, which I imagine probably happens a lot um, in a college town with college football players. Um, especially for how much, as much of a hot shot that he was. Um, but he was like 18 at the time or 19 at the time and was drinking at a restaurant. He, the manager asked him to pay his bill and he just punches the manager in the face. So, um, I don't know that he was necessarily arrested for that, but there was like, a um, some kind of charge, not necessarily a charge, but he did get like in trouble for it. Yeah, I think um, the manager had said like, he didn't want to press charges because yeah, the manager didn't want to press charges. It's, it's unfortunate that with, with these sports where, you know, people kind of seem invincible because they're such a big deal. And as we are learning now with sports being canceled everywhere uh, in this time, how important they are to people and to, to ruin that, even if it's for the right reasons, see is just, you know, this man would rather not have to deal with that. The manager, he didn't want to do that. And so it kind of gave Aaron that sense of, I can do whatever I want. 
I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm untouchable, if you will. So um, he actually got uh, drafted when he was 20 years old to the Patriots um, in a fourth round draft. So that was kind of a, a question. They weren't really sure, like, okay, this guy's really talented. He, um, you know, is, is young and, I mean, again, talented, but why was he not picked until the fourth round? And so there was some questions with that. He wrote some letters to the Patriots basically saying, you know, he had, you know, I don't want to say an addiction, but he smoked a lot of marijuana. He didn't have the best grades. Like they, they did that testing where his like social maturity was super, super low. Um, but basically wrote a letter saying, Hey, I will take more drug tests than anybody else. I will prove to you. And they picked him. And so that's when he became a Patriot and, uh, you know, started playing, with, uh, well, he played with Tim Tebow in college, yep. but um, obviously becoming a Patriot, played with um, Rob Gronkowski and uh, Tom Brady. And they were kind of the dream team. That was, and forgive me, I'm not, was this before the Patriots dynasty had begun or was this like kind of the beginning? Um, I mean, that was during it, really. Oh. Um, I can't remember when they won their first Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure it was when I was in middle school. Okay. Um, it's a it's a funny story to talk about this because I am an Indianapolis Colts fan, which oh. the Patriots and the Colts are like big rivals. Um, always have been. So I, feel like, I like when all this was going on, I was like, look at this Patriot, like getting in trouble, you know. But I mean, clearly he had a lot of like deep seated issues and. Um, It was just interesting that I remember all of this stuff happening, but I kind of just laughed it off being like, oh, the Patriots, you know, the people that they have on their team. Um, But yeah, it was while they were, I mean, they were very good at that time still. They was just, you know, adding to their rock star players. And I I was saying too that, you know, my, my husband's a Rams fan. So we have some, uh, some beef with with Patriots as well I feel like everybody does <laughs> I feel That's like true. everyone hates the Patriots <laughs> but uh they they talk about that a little bit too how you know they have this very uh you know the Patriot way how they do things how they how they play they're they're very as much as I don't like them they're very uh traditional and work hard you know mm-hmm. there is no you know uh, try only do I guess they didn't say that but that's kind of the mindset that they have is you know just to win and to be the best and so Aaron being a part of that he kind of they talk about a little bit about how his personality wasn't very patriot-esque he was kind of I wouldn't say a hothead but he just he was different he was Aaron that's who he was but he was a good football player and so they they just kind of kind of rolled with that I guess um, the first uh, incident, aside from what happened in college, was the 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 double homicide in 2012, um, but which didn't get linked to Aaron until after the 2013 charge. So in 2012, um, Aaron went to, um, well, at this time, he had also started kind of hanging out with a different crowd. He started hanging out with um, some, you know, I wouldn't say gang members, but I'm, I'm kind of, right? Yeah. So some, some shady fellows. Yeah. And so they were at a bar one night or a club and uh, I think somebody accidentally spilled a drink on him and that 
set him off. And so allegedly Alexander Bradley was, was a, a friend and like a drug kingpin. Um, and he was with Aaron that night. And so he was a key witness in that double murder. Um, Danielle Corrier, oh my gosh, I, Daniel and Safiro, I do not want to butcher their names. They are not of United, of American descent. Uh, they were immigrants. And uh, it was so sad, those scenes they showed of that trial with, I mean, they said they filled, filled the courtroom every single day. His, their friends, their family, who all came here for a better life, for two of them to just be murdered for absolutely no reason. They weren't involved in gangs. They weren't involved with anything shady. They were just here, just trying to live the American life. And they were killed in their car. Um, the story goes that an unknown man, allegedly seen in Hernandez's SUV, had pulled up next to another vehicle and shot the two men who were inside. Hernandez was ultimately acquitted just days before his death, largely because the prosecution's main evidence that he fired the gun was based on hearsay from uh, Bradley. The car, however, this is where it gets weird. The car was found on the property in the garage of Hernandez's cousin, whom he was very close with. Why would that car be stored there if he wasn't behind, you know, wasn't the one who pulled the trigger? But at the time when it happened, I mean, they weren't even thinking it was him at the time, were they? They, they didn't really link it to him until after. Mm -hmm. They had no idea. They had looked at surveillance video from the club and they noticed that he was there that night, but they didn't, like the police didn't think that he would have had anything to do with it because there was really no motive. Nobody knew of anything happening at the club or prior to being there that would have caused somebody to just kill somebody in their car. Right, but it wasn't until 2013. And did they at all talk about just kind of how Odin and Aaron met. I mean, just because they both played football, how did how did they really meet? Um, I don't know that they did. They meet before Odin started dating his sister, right. the sister of the, his fiance. Right. So that's how they were connected. So yeah, his fiance's sister was dating Odin, and that caused you know obviously a rift between the sisters because after mm -hmm. all of this happened, Aaron's fiance was still behind him, supporting him, had their daughter, you know, was there for him, but obviously her sister was devastated by the murder of her boyfriend, and so that caused some, some issues between the two, but, but again, with this murder, everything that they had pointed it to Aaron. His cell phone location, the text messages that Odin was sending his friend, like, hey, I'm with Aaron tonight, not so many words, but led you to believe you know like hey this is where i'm this is where i'm at so the main question here is yes aaron hernandez murdered odin but why that is the main question there what was the motive why would you murder one of your closest friends and so throughout the course of this documentary is where we kind of start to get those possibilities of why he did one of the there are two main ones that, that I was able to deduce. One being, again, with, with the, his sexuality being such a big part of this documentary, the documentary leads you to believe that maybe Odin found out and that's why Aaron murdered him so he wouldn't tell anybody else. But why would you jeopardize? I mean, he had just been signed like a $40 million contract with mm -hmm. Patriots. Why would you jeopardize all of that just because somebody found out you were gay? And I guess if that is the case, why 
for somebody to find out that you're gay, why is it, you know, a life or death situation? The other reason is that he had found out about, which to me seems more likely, that he had found out about the previous murders in 2012. And so that, to me, seems like the more likely explanation. So the documentary goes on to, he is convicted and is sent to prison for life for the murder of Odin. And after that is when he has the second trial for the murders in 2012. And that is when, so when did they find the SUV in his cousin's garage? So it was when they were doing, um, they were looking for evidence for Odin's murder because the murder weapon wasn't found. I don't think it ever was found. Um, so they, so Aaron had been staying at his cousin's house a few years before they were very, very close. Um, he'd actually moved out of his mom's house in high school and went to live with his cousin, Tanya. So we know that he was very close with her. And so I think that the police were searching her house, um, just looking for evidence. And she had also had like a criminal and drug history as well. So I think that they kind of put two and two together and were searching her house. And then they found this car and they're like, wow, this car looks really familiar for some reason. It's almost as if we've been looking for this car for the past year, you know? Um, so that's when I ended up finding it through that. Gotcha. And so, um, unfortunately too, again, he was very close with his cousin. She was battling cancer at the time, which made me so sad to see those, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that footage of her, you know, standing at the trial, you know, with her, uh, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the cover she had, because she lost her hair she actually mm-hmm. went to prison. And because of that, she, her uh, treatment for her, her chemotherapy, it, it suffered and she ended up passing away. I don't know if they said she passed away in prison. Did she? I'm not 100%. No, they said that she was on hospice in her home. I remember them saying right. that. Right. But I don't know if she had like been in prison and then they were like, okay, this is the end. They let her out or what. But I do know that she passed away at home. So, um, and the reason that she went to prison is because she would not testify against Aaron. She refused to say anything about why this vehicle was in her house. Um, she just refused to say anything about it. So she went to prison for assisting in a murder, essentially, basically. So, and then she died with her secrets. So for that second, uh, trial, um, Aaron hired Jose, oh gosh, Bayes, is that how you say his last name? Yeah, the, um, he was the, the for Casey Anthony. Yes. So this man knows how to get murderers off, pretty much. Uh, so, uh, he successfully defended Hernandez in the second murder trial, strongly criticized the, um, and actually I found this interesting after the fact, he strongly criticized the documentary for including audio and photos of his daughter, he also said too much time was spent discussing his sexuality. He was obviously interviewed for the documentary, but he said he regretted taking part in it after the fact, which I thought was interesting. Um, but again, he successfully got him off. He went with the the take that uh, it's all hearsay. There was no proof. Their, you know, their star witness, the Bradley, the drug dealer, um, he led everyone to believe that it was actually Bradley who murdered the two men. And again, there's, there's no proof. There's no way to know for sure. But he got off. He uh, was not found guilty for those murders. 
And this is where it gets very, very interesting. This all happened in 2017, days before he killed himself. So when he was in court, he, he seemed very emotional. He was uh, blowing kisses to his daughter, seemed very happy. And they, um, his lawyer even said that he seemed, the happy, you know, he seemed very happy on the phone. He was so happy that they won the trial. And two days before the suicide, a radio show pretty much outed him, mm-hmm. you know, uh, talking about the rumors of his sexuality uh, and making very, very crude, inappropriate jokes about it. And two days later, he was found hung in his cell. Which I think is so crazy. I don't know where those um, rumors came from exactly because I don't know that they necessarily talked about any of that during the trials. I don't think they did. And again, this this former classmate of his, former teammate, when did he come into play? I mean, was it after? I think he said it was after he had killed himself that he kind of like came clean to his father, and obviously mm-hmm. was at some point reached out to for the for the documentary. But yeah, where did all of this come from? They don't really talk about where where these rumors even came from but then yeah two days later he he was found dead and so jose said i want that brain let's do an autopsy we want to see what 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 was going on with him and that's when they found uh the um effects of um cte chronic traumatic and oh my gosh encephalopathy yep there you go yep (laughs) Uh, so encephalopathy is just brain swelling so basically he was having like chronic brain swelling caused by all of the concussions that he was getting every time that his brain was hitting against the the wall of his head hit the bones in his head that it was causing swelling which leaves long-term brain damage basically and this is kind of a known fact about about football players I mean they brought up OJ who I think also had had I mean they obviously have not been able to study his brain because he's still alive but, um, I mean, these, these football players, it, it's a very dangerous sport and this brain damage will change you as a person. And I mean, that also, um, this, you know, CTE caused, um, causes, uh, or sorry, CTE changes or inhibits brain function and impulse control, which seems like because he had such an advanced, I think it was like stage three or something mm-hmm. because his brain had this advanced stage i mean it's very likely this is what caused him to murder odin i mean whatever it was it could have been nothing it could have been nothing that caused him to be like well i'm just gonna kill my friend but because he had this brain disease he thought this was justified and so again the documentary closes with we're talking about the suicide how and there's the rule um in uh is it connecticut where where the trial took place um, okay, so uh, there's that the rule that if you die while you are um, there's an appeal for your trial, you're basically acquitted. And so, but they reinstated that um, that charge for Aaron. He was acquitted for a while after his death, and Odin's family was was very upset by it. Um, but he was quickly uh, charged once again. So he died a convicted murderer. And um, his family is left with all these questions, you know, another, um, somebody else brought up, I think it was one of Odin's teammates, friends who had said that um, it's possible that Aaron killed himself because he knew his family would be set for life, all that money that they would get, um, you know, and he had said, hey, if they were me, I was going to be in prison for life. And I knew that doing this would 
protect my family for the rest of their lives, of course I'd do it. Now, would I personally do it? Probably not. But um, again, there's, there's no, they still don't really know what caused him to take his own life. If it was because of the, the, you know, the brain disease that he had, if it was because of the rumors of his sexuality, if it was because of guilt, you know, who knows? There's no real answer. The documentary just kind of gives you, here's what we have. Here's all the information. You kind of got to make it up for yourself on what you think it was. And again, you're left with a lot of questions by the end of this docuseries because the person that it's about is no longer with us. And we don't have the ability to get those answers and we never will. It's really sad. It is. It is very sad. And it's, it's, it's a frustrating documentary to watch because you are left, it's, you have conflicting feelings about this man. Like, is he a bad person because he murdered people? Of course, absolutely. I don't feel, they even showed like different, you know, newscasters uh, after the news had broken, like, hey, I feel sorry for his family. I don't feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for his family and the families that he affected, but he murdered somebody, you know? It's just, right. it's, it's conflicting because yeah, because of everything that happened to him, his brother even mentioned that he was sexually abused by um, an older I don't even know if it was a friend or just like an older person when he was younger, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of also went with, you know, the, the sexuality uh, case being made. It's, it, you kind of, again, have to, you know, leave it up to your own, what, what you believe was the cause. In my opinion, it was just from getting hit in the head too many times and, you know, a shitty up, upbringing and, you know, there's, there's so many possible factors into what caused the course of his life and it's unfortunate that this very talented person went this route and you know eventually ruined his own life yeah that's really sad I think that it's a really good um case study really of looking at CTE and how you know you can't and they talk a lot at the end of the documentary about how you can't blame CTE for him being the way that he was I think that it was a lot of factors that played into um ultimately what he did and and how it affected him but I think it is really important to like draw attention to CTE and current players and what that can what that brain damage can do to you Mm -hmm. um yeah like you said like I don't think that was necessarily the cause of him murdering somebody but I think that the fact that his brain was altered in such a way that caused him to have rage issues, to have paranoia. Um, There was a ton of times that they had said that they were interviewing friends, they were interviewing um, the drug dealer, that he was, that Aaron was so, so paranoid all the time, which is a good reason to believe that maybe that was why he murdered Odin, was if Odin knew something and and Aaron was paranoid that he was going to tell somebody. So... And we never talked about, he had those two other men whose names for, uh, I can't think of what their names are, but the other two men that were involved in mm-hmm. Odin's order, or they were there, but they didn't actually do anything. Um, other, just, you know, drug dealers, gang members. Um, he surrounded himself with these people because he was so paranoid, because he was was scared. And it's, again, yeah, it's, there's a lot of factors that came into play. And it's, the whole story, everybody involved, it's very unfortunate that this happened to, to Odin, his family, to the two immigrants and their family and their friends, these people that 
will never get to see their, you know, their friends again, their family, and even Aaron's daughter and his fiance. I mean, these two people who, you know, his daughter will only know her father for, for what the media said of him. And it's, it's, it's really unfortunate, but, um, but that's, but that is uh, the killer inside. And we'll talk a little bit more about this documentary and um, just kind of our final thoughts. But first, let's talk about what else we're watching. All right, Nina. So I know that you said that you started on this uh, other documentary. So what is this documentary called? Um, it's called Tiger King, and it is about um, this guy, Joe Exotic, who owns, runs a, um, like, a big cat, or, like, an exotic animal zoo in Oklahoma, basically. So, Oklahoma has a lot of, like, really lax laws, and uh, you kind of just do whatever the hell you want there, I think, but... Um, yeah, so he's just this dude that has these exotic animals, and he breeds them, and has his own little zoo down there um, that he, like, manages himself, and he, um, like, does, what, what do you call that, like, when they, um, not like a performance, but a, like, show animals, or? yeah. Like, he'll, he'll, like, show the animals, and he'll, like, show them do tricks and that kind of stuff, um, but, yeah, this guy just has, like, I haven't gotten super far. I just watched the first episode, but there's this woman that lives in Florida who is, like, a big cat rescue lady, and she hates Joe Exotic and his operation and is trying to, like, take him down, so it's a very dramatic, like, insane just a bizarre show situation. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of our followers on our Facebook page and just friends and family that this is a wild documentary that people need to get on. So I'm thinking we need to review it. So um, that's next on my watch list. Um, I don't have to tell you that I am still watching Glee. I'm on the final season. It's horrible. It's so bad. You have to just get through it. I do. I mean, the final season is only 13 episodes. I'm on episode two, so we're going to get through it. Um, I did get caught up on This Is Us. <gasps> did you watch I just watched last night's episode. Oh, too. my God. Spoilers ahead for anybody who hasn't seen it. Oh, my God. Oh. So that, okay, if you're familiar with the show, there is a final, I, not a showdown, but an argument between Kevin and Randall that just like gutted me. I, it was just broke my heart. It, I was just sitting there and, and when Kevin said to Randall, like, as soon as he said, I used to think the worst day of my life was when dad died. Oh yeah. And you just knew. Don't say it. Don't say it. I know what you're going to say. Don't say what you can't take back. And then when he said it, I was like, Oh my God. I like tears immediately. Just like it, it, it hurt. It hurt me so much. And And you know that Kevin doesn't mean that he just is saying that to hurt Randall. And Randall, he's mad at him. Yeah, and Randall said some awful things too. Rand, like, yeah, you know, you're, you know, chasing my footsteps. You can't be me. You'll never be dad. Dad was ashamed. That was aggressive. It was. It was. Oh, they hurt each other in ways that I feel like only siblings can. In that, you know, just that very deep personal level. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm worried that when they do these flash forwards to when Rebecca is 
like dying basically of yeah. of dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, they don't seem very they don't friendly. Seem no, yeah, probably haven't seen so, them for a while. I'm worried that this is go this argument is going to affect their relationship for the rest of their lives, which is so sad. I mean, like I said, there are the, there are things you can't take back. It doesn't right. matter how much how much you apologize, something like that. Even if you didn't mean it, you can't take back those words, and it's, yeah. it's heartbreaking. Um, I'm interested to see because that was the end of season four. I don't think they've started shooting season five, given the coronavirus pandemic we might not have season five for a while. Oh no, that's a good point. I wonder how that's going to affect a lot of shows though. I mean, we need our shows. We have nothing else to do. <laughs> I know. It's, it's funny because I was watching Superstore. There was the most recent episode taking place over St. Patrick's Day. And I'm like, it would not be this way. Like actually St. Patrick's Day 2020, this is not what is happening. Like it was just like totally normal and the store was open and everybody was something and I'm like nope that's nope that's I'm also curious if they're going to address the coronavirus on shows like Grey's Anatomy and like that kind of stuff I was watching Grey's Anatomy last week and I was like are they gonna say anything about it they're just acting like everything in the world is like just the normal it's normal life if we want to talk about that for a second it's interesting just I mean when life goes back to normals in quotations there is no normal now i mean this is our right. normal right now but when things eventually go you know we can just imagine when people can actually go back out in public and i mean one of my friends actually said like the amount of people who are going to have agoraphobia after this like scared to leave their houses because even if it's safe it's 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 going to change the way we live our lives forever mm-hmm. this is going to be a part of our history hopefully for not for very long but it will change everything and it's just it's weird i think it's you're you're right i think it's also going to make people i want to say the word hypochondriac because that's not fair but when you know if you have just a little cold i think people are gonna immediately jump to the conclusion that they could have COVID 19 and freak out because people are dying from this and so it is super scary but i think that for a while we're gonna see a a lot of um, patients coming into urgent cares and ERs saying like, I'm afraid that I have it. I'm afraid that I have it when really they've just got like some allergies or something like that, you know? Right. I don't know if you guys can tell from my voice, but I have had a cold, just a cold. And I know that's what it is for two weeks, but I have left my house as, as little as possible. My son hasn't been in daycare because I just, I, I'm afraid to even just sneeze in front of people, you know, like it's just, it, True. it's changed. Plus for you, with your immune system already fighting something, you're going to be more susceptible to getting something that's aggressive like COVID-19. Exactly. It's, so you're really at more risk if you leave your house. It's a, it's a very scary time, everybody. But again, that's why we have these shows and these things to take our minds off of it and to just kind of escape for a bit. So um, I'm glad that you know we're able to do this podcast for you. I want to talk about this movie that I watched last weekend. And it is called The Beach Bum with, oh gosh, okay. with Matthew McConaughey. It is, okay, it's on Hulu and it came out last year. And I think it was on Friday when I was like, all right, let's watch it. Seems like just like kind of like a dumb, like comedy. Like he's just this, this stoner, this just like. Oh, I saw the like preview for this and I was like, that movie looks freaking weird. It was weird so let me let me kind of talk about that for a second 
Moondog, really? Yes. This movie is not at all what you expect it to be. It's an, it's only an hour and a half, but it feels like it's like two hours because it is star studded. It's yes. Okay. So we have Matthew McConaughey as Moondog. We have Isla Fisher as his wife who is just filthy, filthy rich. Um, her, like their friend slash she's also sleeping with Snoop Dogg. I think his name is, um, oh gosh, I don't know what his name is. Something. Um, and, uh, Jonah Hill is in it. Uh, I can't think of anybody else. Oh, um, oh my gosh. It's not Bernie Mac. It's uh, uh, Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence, yes. Uh, it says also that Zac Efron and yep. Jimmy Buffett are in it. Yep. It's, it is a wild movie. And if you are looking for something weird, go ahead and give it a watch. I liked it at first. It was kind of funny. It was kind of lighthearted. It had a very like indie movie feel. But like more of like like kind of like a you know Seth Rogen style humor like kind of like stoner humor, mm-hmm. but it then it just like takes a really weird turn about like forty minutes in, and then it never can quite decide its own. <laughs> like it's just it's a very weird movie, and I don't know if you like any of those actors, give it a watch just for that reason alone. But it was yeah it was weird. I don't want to mm. spoil anything, but uh. Yeah. I also watched a movie last weekend. I bit the bullet and bought um, the 48-hour rental for The Invisible Man because I was dying to see it. How was that? Um, It was, like, right up my alley as far as, like, suspense film, um, super creepy, kind of like a psychological thriller. Um, I just love her. What's her name? Oh, Elizabeth Moss. Yes, I love her so much. Um, everything, it's just, like, the perfect role for her, like, to play somebody that is... Just paranoid and... Yeah, but, like, Adelaide. for, re- like, legit reasons. Like, yeah. for her in um, the show that... Nothing is... My brain is not working today. Handmaid's Tale? Yes, in The Handmaid's Tale, like, she has every reason to be paranoid and, like, scared and... Um, her mental health is obviously not in like the greatest place because of what's happening to her during that show. Um, kind of the same thing in, in this movie where people are questioning her mental health because her husband has died and she was abused by him and, um, just some crazy things are happening. I really liked it. Um, you can rent it for $20 for 48 hours on like on demand. Like we just rented it like off of the TV. Um, do this through can you do this through like apple tv like how you would yes. rent a movie okay yeah you can do it through apple tv um or amazon prime yeah so for 20 i mean if and we watch it with my in-laws so there's four of us so i mean for five bucks a person to, to go see a movie like that's not bad when i was <laughs> buying it i was like oh my god twenty dollars for a 48 hour rental but i thought it was worth it honestly yeah i, I really think- wanted to see it Somebody, I saw somebody on Facebook say like, oh, I was going to watch this movie, but $20, what the hell? And it's like, but that's like the typical cost of a movie. And it's not like you're just watching it yourself. And even if you are, like you're paying for the cost of the ticket and just, you know, I don't know, like you're not buying snacks or whatever. You're just having your snacks at home. I don't know. It's a good way to support these movies because I'm sure that a lot of these movies are losing a lot of money because they're not having like the box office. 
money that they're getting from like the first week that they come out and whatnot. I'm sure that they will probably go back to theaters after things settle down and the movie theaters open back up, but they're not going to make nearly as much money as they would have on opening weekend or whatever. So it's a good way to support the movies and the people in them. Absolutely. I heard that Onward, the new Pixar film, is also available on demand. So if you have kids at home, also it will be available on Disney Plus, I think, beginning of April. So like next week sometime or uh, maybe the following week. I think it was like April 3rd, maybe that Friday, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, all these movies, aside from like A Quiet Place Part 2, like all these films that were supposed to be out in theaters, you can still watch on demand at home. Yeah, it's $20, but I think it's worth it. Yeah, and especially if you know, you're watching it with your significant other or your family. I mean, it makes it worth it, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Multiple times. You can watch it like twice, two days, and Mm -hmm. then that $20, you know, makes it worth it. But, but yeah, so, um, there are ways for you guys to still watch these films that are coming out. Um, obviously anything that's streaming as well during this weird time. Um, but we're still looking for new ideas. So, hey, anything that you guys are streaming right now during quarantine, let us know because we're definitely yeah. going to do this tiger documentary. So anything We've else? We've resorted to tiger documentaries. Please help. Yeah. Send help. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, that is, uh, that's what else we're watching. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome back to our review of Killer Inside the mind of Aaron Hernandez. So um, again, because this is a documentary, we don't have actors, we have real people who are being interviewed. Um, I had a little bit of information on the making of. So um, in January, 2017, uh, director Gino McDermott met with journalists Dan Wetzel and Kevin Armstrong, who had both covered the trial for the murder of Odin Lloyd and were writing a book about him. They began gathering interviews and other research for the documentary. And after about a year and a half, McDermott um, originally compiled a documentary film, My Perfect World, the Aaron Hernandez story that was shown at the DOC NYC Film Festival, but decided to make it a series after partnering with Netflix. Information about uh, Hernandez's sexuality was not included in the original film as it was unsubstantiated. McDermott spent several days interviewing Dennis Sansushi, Suchi, I think, and his father for the documentary. They began investigating CTE following Hernandez's death when his autopsy revealed a severe case. After Hernandez died by suicide, McDermott filed for an FOIA request to obtain the recordings of the phone calls. Um, And like I said, his family uh, very respectfully declined to participate. So this has been in the works since before the trial, the double homicide, and before his death. So I'm interested, and again, we'll never know what would have been had this had had he not killed himself. I mean, would we have interviewed him in prison? I mean, what would have happened? And uh, maybe it wouldn't have been made at all. Who knows? But Nina, I want to know kind of just like your thoughts on this. Um, are you, Would you consider yourself a big fan of the NFL? Um, yeah, I'm a pretty good, big fan of the NFL. Um, like I said, when this was happening, I was kind of – I wasn't a big Aaron Hernandez fan in particular because I was just not a Patriots fan. So – I didn't have any like particular feelings about, I just thought it was like another dude that's screwing up his awesome life, you know, like another Patriots, uh, another Patriots uh, scandal. Well, that too. Yeah. I'm like, gosh, what is wrong with the Patriots that they've got all these people that are doing these crazy things. But um, 
as like from watching the documentary and then just as time went on and learning about him via like social media while everything was going on with the trials I always kind of thought that it just seemed really strange because a lot of people really like had no expectation of this happening to him like he wasn't like a thug he wasn't in a gang like he is literally a millionaire football player amazing football player that everybody loved and respected um but a lot of just really terrible things happened to him um I was kind of looking back through my notes that I took while I was watching the show. Um, his parents fought a lot. They and I read that they got they were married and then they got divorced and then they got remarried to each other. Oh. And they were in like an abusive relationship with each other too. So it's like after all of that, how hard could that be like on your family? Yeah. As two children that that's happening to. Um, and then his father died in a routine surgery, which I thought was so sad yeah. that he had a routine hernia repair and died during surgery. Um, and he was very close with his dad, other than the fact that his dad was like abusive and um, he had issues with alcoholism and masculinity, obviously, but he was still like loved and respected and looked up to his dad a lot. Um, and they talked about how he didn't have like any emotion at his dad's funeral, which I thought was really sad. Like you could tell that that probably hit him really hard and he was just in a really like bad mindset after that happened, which who wouldn't it be when you're 16 and your dad dies in a routine surgery, you know? Um, and then his mom goes on to have an affair with Aaron's cousin, Tanya, who he's very close with, with Tanya's husband. What? Yeah in the actual hell who does that like just a couple months after his dad died and then that guy moves into his house and is like his new dad like how weird and so then he leaves his house at like 16 years old and goes to live with his cousin tanya who's super into drugs he's got some criminal activity on her background like he's just like set up for failure from the start especially yeah. with like all of that happening everything that's happening at home plus all of the issues with masculinity supposedly his um being him being closeted being in a relationship with the quarterback on the team and as we know that he's a tight end so he has a very close relationship with the quarterback anyway as a player and then they're in like a secret relationship basically um he was actually assaulted he had concussions starting in high school um there was one that like he got knocked out cold and yeah. the ambulance had to take him off the field when he was in high school. Like, you know that that's not a good start to things, you know? Yeah, he talked about that a little bit in one of the phone calls that, you know, when that happens, a lot of the times they're like, just walk it off, continue right. playing. And I mean, that's awful, you know? The amount, like, who knows? Like, they're thinking that his, you know, brain damage had been going on for like a decade. Right. The time that he died. Well, he was pretty young. At the time he died, he was 27. Um, so he was really young. So if you think back that that probably started in high school, that he was having all of these concussions and um, just like traumatic brain injuries that were not getting addressed. And then, which I found this incredible, I wasn't 100% aware, I guess, that the use of like pain medication for football players and for athletes in general on a professional layer was on a professional level was so common that he was talking about how they would inject everybody on the team with a disatoridol, which is a, a steroidal painkiller. Um, that's like a very high, high acting, like it 
is a it's a it's a good dose like that's gonna take your pain away for sure and that they were injecting like everybody on the team with this before a game so even if you had like a sprained ankle you were just expected to get your dose of toradol and just go ahead and play through it so if you think about all these players that are basically just playing through the pain that they have not treating the injuries that they have and that was from i mean that started for him in college at the university of florida and when he worked like was a patriot so he really never had any time to heal from any of the injuries that he was having anyway yeah um i don't know it just like i feel like yes he ultimately was a murderer he made those decisions but the fact that he, like, people said that he was just unhinged, that he acted like people were looking to fight him, he had rage, paranoia, he, like, had people buy guns for him because he was nervous, he had um, a gun compartment built into his brand new car, like, a hidden gun compartment, um, like, this dude just, like, had a lot, had a lot against him, and I can kind of see how all of these factors played into the person that he ultimately became who ultimately became a murderer it's just really sad plus then on top of it you know you've got the cte that people are not aware of is happening um in his brain so is there any way to know that that's happening unless the person dies like you don't even know if somebody has a disease it can be confirmed um with mri while the person is still living but i think that they have to have symptoms in order to be tested for it because basically i mean it can cause memory loss it can cause rage issues um depending on what areas of the brain are affected the most by the trauma is kind of how it's going to come out in your personality changes and in your memory changes so there are some football players that have been that are still living that have been diagnosed um with cte already and then a lot of posthumous um, deaths and that was another thing that I wanted to talk about, that they talked a little bit about Junior Seau, who was another football player, famous football player, that had also committed suicide. And then when they looked at his um, brain, like, postmortem, that he had, like, severe CTE, too. So it just kind of goes to show that physically what's happening in your brain can play a huge part in your mental health, obviously, and... I don't know. It's just really, really sad. I do think that him killing himself probably had a lot to do with the fact that he was outed on the radio, which is horrible for anybody, for anybody, especially a huge public figure that just was convicted of murder a year before that, you know? And then the fact that he had this money that he wanted to have, like he wanted his fiance and his daughter to have, and he knew that that was a good way out basically yeah he definitely had a lot of motives and it's you right and i kind of figure out for yourself what what you think it was and i agree it's 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 just unfortunate all around like he was kind of set up for failure he never really had a chance um but he was just so ridiculously talented and yeah i don't like the patriots but i mean they you know they had this great tight end two great tight ends and their quarterback they have a great team mm -hmm. they have a great organization and um that year, I think, I think it was the day that they were going to, to the White House was the day he killed himself, which mm -hmm. he obviously wouldn't have gone anyway, but I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate, you know, that they, I feel, are, like, haunted by, by him, and 
just it's it's just it's unfortunate and um as somebody who uh is trying to learn more about the nfl more just more about football um I, I was never really big about football even like you know college football or high school football like i was never really into that very much growing up but have become more interested in it in the past couple of years it's it's fun it's it's a definitely uh, a group activity where it, whether it's tailgating or just watching the game it's it's fun um but I had no idea about any of this so I learned a lot watching this documentary if you're really familiar with the story I think you learn a little bit more just about like the back end of things yeah um you don't really learn too much about uh the the trial you just learn more about him and and you know what could have possibly led to him making these decisions uh but uh, one thing I will say that I did not like about this at all was I thought that the, you know, like the, tr the little intro with the title and uh, the music, I thought that was weird. Yeah, especially for a, a, a murder trial person, it seemed very like... Um, it was like triumphant. It almost sounded yes. like celebratory. It was weird. It was I did weird. not like that. Very weird choice. Um, but I agree. But um, other than that, um, let's let's get into our review of this yeah. documentary. Um, I would say for me, I think I'm going to give it a three point five out of five. Um, I, I it was very informative. I learned a lot um, about Aaron, his family, his background, the trial. I it was definitely easy. Well, I don't know. It was kind of all over the place. Like it would <laughs> go back and forth between you know, his sexuality and to the trial and then to college and then back to the trial. So it was, a, it was a little hard to follow at times, a little disjointed. I don't like how they kind of led you, kind of like egged you on with all of the sexuality aspects, because again, it's all hearsay. There's nothing that's proven. Mm -hmm. uh, so they kind of want you to believe one thing over the other. Um, so I thought that was a little, a little unfair because again, this man cannot, you know, defend himself. Exactly. He cannot speak for himself on the, his truth. We will never know. Um, he had other people speaking for him, whether it was saying, yes, he was a gay man or no, he was not. I mean, there are a lot of questions that we will always have, but that's not a fault of the documentary. It's just a fault of circumstance. But overall, it's informative, it's interesting, and it's not very long. Like I said, it's about three hours. You can get probably closer to like three and a half because it's like an hour and some change for each episode. So you can definitely get it done in a day, um, and if you're into true crime, you will like it. Um, it's not super graphic or uh, anything like that. It's just, it's informative, and it's interesting, and, um, you know, it kind of leaves you feeling conflicted, so that's my score. I would totally agree with all of that. Um, I definitely liked the fact that it was short. It was, like, a quick three episodes. Didn't feel like it dragged on at all to me. Um, I liked... I do feel like it was a little one-sided in some parts of it, but overall it still kind of left you to think like, okay, what, what if, like, what about all these factors? Like, where was the motive in all of this? Um, so yeah, I think I would give it a three out of five or 3.5 out of five also. I did like it. I thought that I feel like I really learned a lot and I really liked the testimonies throughout it. All right, guys. Well, that is killer inside. So thank you for listening. Um, we are actually going to hunker down and figure out what we're going to do for April because it seems like we are going to continue on with this quarantine. Uh, again, I just want to reiterate, thank you 
all of you out there, all of our travelers, all healthcare professionals in general for what you are doing right now, putting yourself in the position of being exposed, helping people and just doing your job where a lot of us, you know, are just able to stay at home. I know you can't. So again, thank you. I hope that this podcast does give you a little bit of just relief from that. We're going to try to have some more fun stuff for the month of April. As always, if there's anything that you guys think we should review, we should talk about what you're watching right now, let us know and we will definitely put it on our list. But until then, thank you guys for listening. Keep on streaming. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.